0: there's one thing that's especially difficult for any leader to overcome it's convincing folks to accept and embrace change that's because humans are very resistant to change we don't like it some might even despise it but the ironic thing is change is always happening whether we want it to or not so How do great utility leaders help lead change? That's what David McPeak will talk about in this podcast. He'll be referencing a section from our Frontline Utility Leadership Training Program on leadership. So let's join in on David's discussion and learn more about how we can change people into accepting and actually embracing change.
1: Leading, and notice keyword there, leading, not managing change. Nothing wrong with, you may even have a change management department at your organization. Nothing wrong with that. But when we talk about leading and we talk about leadership, we're talking about people. When we talk about managing or management, we're talking about things. And we want to focus on people here. How can you lead change on your team and make it as effective as possible? And a couple of things we want to talk about. Number one, identifying the need for change. What drives change? And then we want to talk about why people resist change and then give you some strategies hopefully to help you lessen resistance to change and make and help you effectively lead change on your team. So, and Charles Darwin said this, and and I believe it's very, very true. It's not the strongest of the species that survives, but the one that's most responsive to change. And it is absolutely critical that we understand change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. Now, some people like change more than others. Some people almost dislike all change. Most people probably fall somewhere in the middle, depending on the circumstances. This is for sure, especially if you have leadership in terms of positional authority and or personal influence or both is you can't guarantee changes will be successful, but you can almost guarantee if they, if you want them to fail, you can make them fail. So that you have an absolutely critical role in change. Why do things change? What creates the need for change? And the the critical understanding point here is if you can identify these things yourself, especially the ones you're in control of, and some you're not, and you proactively change, nobody's gonna force it on you. But if there's a need to change and you don't proactively change, somebody's gonna do it for you and that's when you and your team aren't gonna like it. So change drivers include compliance gaps, Changes in the organization, be that organizational structure, be that organizational leadership, buyouts, mergers, all those kind of things. Changes in regulations and standards from government or overseeing uh, agencies. The team makeup, the the makeup of your team, and you may or may not be in control of that. In different scenarios, the, the people in leadership positions get to choose their team, some don't. Different processes and changes in technology customer, client wants and needs financial, both on the sort of even the world financial market, how that might impact your industry or your organization down to just the finances of your department as part of your organization. There's um, changes in protective equipment, changes in education and understanding, changes in experience. And so let's pick one for sure that you are or can be in control of, compliance gaps. If there's a standard that your team performs at this level and your team is performing at this level, at some point in time, that's gonna get addressed and your team's gonna have to get to here or there's gonna need to be a change. So if you know the expectations here, your team's here, you can proactively identify that now, make some changes, get your team where it needs to be because if you don't, somebody's gonna do it for you. The absolute best rule of how to effectively manage change is this, if you involve your team, If you involve the people that are going to be affected most by the change, which is usually people doing the work, and they're part of the change, they understand it, they've been through the process, they want to see the change succeed. Very good chance of being successful, whereas if somebody forces us to change, we're right back to well I'm just not going to do it and I want to see it fail because it was your idea. So involve the team as much as possible. But if you have compliance gaps, that's one for sure that's in your control. And, and that you can change. And another big change driver and uh, a complaint I hear from a lot of leaders is the very high level of turnover there is in in the utility industry and the transient nature of the workforce, if you will. And one of the things that, that we like to talk about in that situation is pick, I, I like to say your favorite sports team, but it needs to be a sports team that wins. And so for me, for instance, Duke basketball, whether you like them or not, You do have to agree with the fact they win, and they win a lot. They win a lot of games. They win a lot of championships. They're consistently good. Now, they turn over their team, especially their good quality, their best players, annually, literally every year. So every year they're starting with a new team. But at best, they're going to keep a player for four years. So four-year turnover, and the team's changing every year. And there are programs that don't do very well in that environment. And then there's other programs, like the one I mentioned with Duke that do very well and almost thrive in that environment. So whatever the change environment is, be it with people, be it with technology, be it with regulations, if you identify what those changes are, what's driving them and embrace them, you can be successful. Whereas if you resist them, what would happen if Coach K tried to keep all his players for four years? His recruiting probably wouldn't be as successful. And that's something even he and that program have had to change over the last few decades. So by being as as we said earlier with Darwin, more responsive to change means more effective at change. Why do people resist change? And a lot of it really does boil down to two things, fear and lack of understanding. And we'll talk about how to overcome both those. But there's also past experiences with change. And so as an example, I know somebody pretty well that he's been through two organizational changes in his life. Both times when he went through an organizational change, he got a promotion. So when somebody says, oh, there's an organizational change getting to happen, we're merging with so-and-so, he gets excited. Oh, boy, I'm going to get another promotion. Whereas I also know quite a few people that have been part of organizational changes where their jobs got cut or they got transferred or negative things happened to them. So those people now, when they see change coming, ooh, there's going to be an organizational change. Here we go again. And so they view it as a very negative thing. So understand that people are gonna filter even even just the change or the anticipation of it as a negative or a positive based on past experience or anticipation of some kind of loss of power or position, lack of trust in people and organizations. All these are, are reasons that we resist change. Plus, a lot of people like comfort and like things to stay the same. And so there's a lot of reasons people resist change, but there are a couple of strategies that you as a leader and leader again being a person of influence can do that will help lessen resistance to change number one again it's too late if you wait for the change get ahead of it be proactive about it but sometimes that's not possible so what happens is a change if you will is just being forced on you then one thing that you can do and this ties in so much of leadership maintain professional, trusting, respectful relationships with your team and everybody on it, also with your superiors and your subordinates. If you do that, just because of the trust and the relationships with the people, change will be perceived and will happen better than if you, your team, and the organization in some form or fashion do not trust each other, value each other, or respect each other. Make yourself and your team valuable. Now this is important for a couple of reasons. So. Number one, on on an organizational change level, it's just very obvious. If if two organizations are going to merge and there's gonna be some cutbacks, are we gonna cut the top performers or the bottom performers? And the answer to that, obviously the bottom performers. But So if you're in the top performer group, guess what? Probably nothing to worry about. But also too, if you're in the top performing group, you're likely the one somebody would come, hey, we're considering this new PPE. We'd like for you to try it out, let us know what you think. You become part of the process. So make yourself and your team consistently valuable. And remember this too, attitude reflects leadership. Your team is a reflection of you. If there's part of your team that you don't like what you see, then one of the first places you should look is in the mirror. How that relates to change, almost every person in their professional life has been to this meeting where somebody in a leadership position walks in a room with some kind of sheets of paper, and this is usually when they a compliance change is being forced by a regulatory agency, i.e. now we have to wear FR clothing, something like that, just as an example. And somebody literally walks in the room with a sheet of paper and and starts a meeting by saying, guys, girls, I don't like this any better than you do, but but we're going to have to do this, so everybody just bear with me for two or three minutes. What are the chances of that change being successful? And by successful, I'm not defining that as it just happens by successful. We mean that it happens and it happens well and people embrace it, that they're bought into. There's a couple of things that are absolutely critical. Sometimes these are all possible. Sometimes they're not, but as much as you can make sure they happen. Number one, communicate, 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 communicate as much as possible, but you got to stick to the facts. So don't say something you don't know, don't make assumptions, but do know this if there has been some kind of change announced, be it formally or informally through the grapevine, people will start to communicate their feelings, their concerns, and or make up their feelings and concerns about that change. So in the absence of communication from you, the leader, from the organization, the communication is going to come from the the grapevine, if you will, water cooler type talk. Try to control that by communicating as as much as possible. Sometimes there, there's legal or other reasons why you shouldn't, but generally speaking, communicate as much as possible. The next one, and this is probably the most important is really for yourself is try to understand and own the change. Don't automatically resist it. Think why is this change being made? How can it benefit me and my team? And if you understand and own the change, again, your team's a reflection of you, they're likely to understand and own the change. The most critical piece, involve your team. That doesn't mean they get to make all the decisions. But for instance, think about this. A decision's made that we are going to use driver monitoring technology. One option would be, and unfortunately, a lot of companies have gone this route, is we put it on truck, I know a guy that got fired. He was a safety representative Little and I mean, ended up getting his job back, but he got fired for speeding. It was one of these deals where he was on an interstate service road speed limit picked up and his organization thought he was going like 40 or 50 miles an hour over the speed limit. He found out that he even had the technology on his truck when they fired him for speeding. Not a real good example of effectively rolling out change because that one story can ruin the change for the entire organization. So, if we're thinking about that, okay, we're going to use driver monitoring. First thing maybe we should do, we get four or five crews up say, hey you try this, you try this, you try this one, you try this one. We'll, we'll look at the reports we get and see which work best. That does two things. Number one, it gets those folks and those teams involved in the change. Number two, it also gives you a time to figure out things like the system might not be perfect. There may be a service road right beside an interstate. We might need to performance equals behavior plus results, not just look at the result but the behavior and moving forward that will really help you. And so that, that driver might, but if we involve those teams and they start to get some benefit out of it, and they feel like they're part of the decision-making process. Much more likely to buy into it. Much more likely to be successful. So, so there's an example of one extreme where we're we're firing people based on the first report we get. They're going 40 miles an hour in speed limit. I saw another organization tell every one of their employees, "Okay, we're going." And well-intended, but I really want you to think about this. So. We're going to use driver monitoring technology. Here's when it's going to be implemented. Here's when you're going to get it in your vehicle. But we will not issue any discipline for the first six months after it's implemented. And while on the surface that may seem like, okay, hey, that's a good way to manage change and lessen resistance and all that, really think about what they're doing there. Basically saying you can drive however you want now and we can't hold or we won't hold you accountable. So that might not have been the best idea for how to handle that. Monitor and provide feedback. And remembering too, no feedback is feedback. If an organization or a team or a group implements a change and they get no feedback, they will default to, okay, because we didn't get any feedback, the change is successful and everybody likes it, which probably means you're going to get more of the same. And that's this whole feedback loop and and, and change that we, we won't get into now. But it is critically important for you Make sure that you seek feedback from your team, you give your team feedback, and you share that with the organization about whether it's been successful or not. The more you do those things, and the better relationships, trusting and respecting relationships you have with your team, the more effectively you're gonna be able to manage change and to lead your people through change.
0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast, which was produced by the team at Frontline Utility Leadership and Incident Prevention Magazine. Don't miss our next podcast. Make sure you subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, stay safe.